Welcome to Words of Grace, radio ministry of Elder Ben Winslet, pastor of the Flint River Primitive Baptist Church near Huntsville, Alabama. We invite you to stay tuned to today's broadcast. I'm so very thankful that you've tuned in to Words of Grace today. I hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family. Thanksgiving is probably my favorite holiday. It's one in which you get to see family, you get to eat delicious food. You probably had some extended time off. If you're a fan of college football, you probably spent some time watching college football, if that's, again, the sort of thing that you're into. And I hope throughout all of the physical things that you were doing, you paused enough to reflect on all of God's blessings for you. Our broadcast today is entitled, Cast Down But Not Destroyed, and this is a portion of the message that I delivered last weekend at Flint River Primitive Baptist Church. This message is very fitting for Thanksgiving, the fact that we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but not destroyed. These thoughts, these beautiful expressions that Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, they give us great reasons to be thankful. We are cast down, discarded as a clay pot, but we are not destroyed. No matter what happens to us here in this world, our Lord is not going to turn loose of us. And beyond that, we can find great strength, as we will see today through both the internal grace that he has given us, but also strength when we look to that which is eternal, when we consider the eternal realities of what God has done for us. This message that I share with you today is a part of an exposition that we're presently conducting through the book of 2 Corinthians. And I'll say just a little bit about the context of the statement that we read regarding being cast down but not destroyed. Previously in this chapter, Paul wrote about his ministry. He wrote about the gospel. He wrote about those that find the gospel foolish because they are yet unregenerate. They have no eyes to see or ears to hear spiritual things. But then he says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And the treasure specifically what he's writing about is the light that has shined in our hearts. God is light. That's one of the depictions of God in the Word of God, and light shining in our heart is descriptive of the new birth. We are born of the Spirit of God, and because of that, we can believe in the Lord. We can receive the gospel. We are people who have been changed. We're no longer natural men who perish, but we are the saved. We are those who are capable of believing this message and worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. An earthen vessel is a clay pot. We have this great eternal blessing of knowing God, but at the same time, we possess this in a clay pot, an earthen vessel. What is an earthen vessel if it's not weak? Well, it most certainly is. And so much of what Paul would write about following this statement regarding the treasure we have in earthen vessels regards our suffering here in this world, the trouble we have, the perplexity, the persecution, and the casting down, as it were, I believe a metaphor for discarding a clay pot with the intent of breaking it on the ground. 
So much so we experience persecution, that is, that we literally carry around a death sentence on us from the world around us because they so despise this gospel message. I hope that this message will be encouraging to you. I hope that it will spring up thanksgiving in your heart. Here is today's message, cast down but not destroyed. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Troubled on every side. Paul literally was troubled on every side. Everywhere he goes to preach, what happens? People beat him up. They yell at him. They argue with him. You know, we think when somebody argues with us in the comment section of a news story on social media, I'm being persecuted. No, you're not. Somebody expressed a different opinion. If they called you names, if that was persecution, it was way down here on the Richter scale. Paul, as he goes into Ephesus, they dragged the Christians into a coliseum, roughing them up. They didn't say, please come with me, sir. You know, every time they're dragged somewhere, understand, they're like beating them as they go, kicking them, smacking them, tying them up, throw them into a coliseum. The people are raging and screaming and yelling, great is Diana of the Ephesians, great is Diana of the Ephesians for hours. And they're scared for their lives. Trouble on every side. When Paul began his discipleship, before even he began his ministry, really, Jews who had once agreed with him now waited outside the walls of the city to pounce on him and kill him. And so he climbs out a window. They lower him down in a basket. He's a basket case preacher, and he goes about another direction. Everywhere he goes, people are beating him up. When he says we're troubled on every side, he literally means this. Everywhere he goes, there's trouble. The modern American version of the gospel says, if you're really faithful to Jesus, you're not going to experience any troubles in your life. The Bible version of the gospel says, if you are faithful, life is going to be hard. If you are faithful, life is going to be hard. We are troubled on every side. That word troubled is believed to perhaps come from a Greek word connected with the wrestlers of the time. Now, I love to watch wrestling, and and I don't watch it all the time anymore, but in high school and college, my buddies and I would get together. We watched WWE. It was WWF back then, and I still want to call it WWF. We watched WWF wrestling, and these guys would be picking each other up and choke slamming each other and knocking each other through tables and hitting each other in the head with chairs, and they don't really do that in attempt to hurt one another because there would be no more wrestlers and they would go out of business. These are not wrestlers that fake it and pretend it and are trying to keep each other safe. There's not a spring in the middle of the mat. There's not canvas and a little pad on top of it. They're not pretending to kick each other while slapping each other. They, they really are wrestling, real wrestling, and people get hurt. And at times, if you look into the gladiators, they wrestle, they fight even under what? Under the death. There's no pin. There's no out of bounds. It is you die. We are troubled on every side. That word troubled, some people believe, has reference to wrestling, real physical violence. 
Now, before we go on through this, I want to say a couple of things. Number one, if Paul experienced these emotions, let's read them. We are troubled. We are perplexed. We are persecuted. We are cast down. Being perplexed, as we'll comment on in a minute, is an emotional thing. And arguably, even though we experience trouble, when we experience trouble, to experience trouble is what? Troubling. If Paul experienced these emotions, it is okay if you do too. That's going to be a crucial point in today's study as we come to that word perplexed. If Paul experienced being perplexed over the trouble that he experienced, it is okay if you do too. Have you ever heard Christians that say, you know what, it's not okay if you feel confusion or trouble or you're worried or, or this has upset you. You're just, you need to have stronger faith. There are times that the situations are so out of hand that it is, in a word, overwhelming. When Paul says, I'm troubled on every side, do you think he's saying, ah, no big deal. I just got beat by a guy, stoned and left for dead. I'm floating around on driftwood and I'm living my best life now. Forty days of purpose, baby. If Paul is perplexed, it's okay for you to be perplexed too. This is holy writ. Number two, I'm troubled on every side. Guess what? It is okay for you to have troubles. How many of you, when you go through trouble, hide it? We all do. I know you, and I know you do. And you know me, and you know I do too. We hide our troubles. We hide our troubles. I don't want anybody to know that. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Don't you think that? Why would we be afraid to admit we have something unless we thought that others would look down on us in a negative bad light because we have it? If I'm ashamed to say I have trouble, it's because I believe other people are going to judge me for the trouble that I have. It's okay to have trouble. It is okay to have trouble because we're all going to have trouble in this life. You say, I never have trouble. You have trouble with lying because we all have trouble. We have trouble with our health. We have trouble with our job. We have trouble with our kids. We have trouble with our budget. We have trouble with our house. We have trouble with our automobiles. Trouble everywhere. No, it's perfect. How's life? Oh, it's great. No, it's not. Stop lying. It is not great. It is a mess, and you know it. It is a mess, and you know it. And it's okay that it's a mess, and you know it. We all know it. Take off the mask of perfection, because it ain't happening. I mean, that mask runs off quicker than half inch of makeup in a thunderstorm. And you know what I mean. You got to love the uh, <laughs> post-baptism mascara, you know. I mean, it, it's gone in a hurry. It's gone in a hurry. It's a mask. It ain't real. We all have troubles, and it's okay. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. God says it is okay to be troubled, but Paul says 
We don't need to be distressed. What does it mean to be distressed? The thought that I have in mind is extreme, extreme anxiety over the situation. Now, Brother Ben, yeah, let me preach to myself here, and, and my wife can stare holes in me as I'm making this point because she knows there are things that have happened that I have been so overwhelmed that I could not breathe. I'm bending over catching my breath. I have nightmares about certain situations that have happened. Not distressed. Not distressed. I need to be reminded that while I can be troubled, I don't need to be distressed. I don't need... Why would I not be distressed? Well, if I'm looking at my ability to impact the situation, I am going to be distressed. But the point here is that the excellency of the power of God may be in us and not of us. Distressed, not, though we are troubled on every side. We are perplexed, but not in despair. When's the last time you used the word perplex? Do you know what the word means? It means confused, baffled. Sometimes terrible things happen, and we are confused. Perplexing. It is confusing. It is baffling. It is okay when we are going through trouble to be confused about the situation, to be perplexed, to be baffled. But at the same time, guess what? Despite the confusion, we do not need to be in despair. We don't need to be in despair. Persecuted, verse 9. Jesus spoke of persecution in a different light than we think of it in Matthew 5. It is a tragedy when God's people are persecuted, right? It is. It offends God when God's people are persecuted, right? It does. But notice what Jesus says when we experience persecution. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, Matthew 5.10, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. What do you do in those moments? Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Jesus says when you're persecuted, rejoice. Paul would say in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Thank the Lord we have freedom of religion in this country. We can worship this morning how we want to worship without fear of persecution. We have freedom, and that freedom guarantees us the right to worship. But there are still persecutions that you experience. There are still persecutions that you experience. You, you experience a scoffer. You experience the mocker. You might have been ostracized by people that you know and love because you were faithful to Christ. You've suffered persecution. All who live godly shall suffer persecution. When you see someone persecuted, take Paul, for instance, as he's laying there in a pool of his own blood covered in bruises and welts, you see him laying there with stones around him, with the thought cross your mind, that man is forsaken of God. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Even in the midst of the worst persecution that you could experience, God has not let go of you. Because God will what? Never leave thee nor forsake thee. 
doesn't matter how bad the persecution is in this world, the affliction, the disease, the heartbreak, the disappointment, the trial, or the adversity, God will never leave you nor forsake you. That the excellency of the power might be of God. Despite the affliction, despite the persecution, we are not forsaken. Now verse 9, part B, cast down but not destroyed. Albert Bourne said that perhaps this alludes back to the wrestling. Troubled. Troubled, the wrestling word. What do wrestlers do? They throw another person on the ground. That's violence. But in my mind, that hails back to the concept of having the light in earthen vessels. What do you do to an old broken pot? Throw it on the ground, you discard it, you let it go back to dust from which it was taken. We are cast down like broken pots, but guess what we're not? We're not destroyed. We're not destroyed. When Paul was eventually beheaded for his testimony, did it look like he was destroyed? When Peter was crucified upside down, did it look like he was destroyed? When all of these men of God were executed, who were these apostles, these original apostles, didn't it look like they were destroyed when they were executed? All but John, it looked like they were destroyed. When John the Baptist was beheaded for telling Herod that it was wrong for him to have his brother's wife, didn't it look like he was destroyed? Do you know what the Apostle Paul says about death? He says, For thy sake we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter all the day long. Nay, in these things we are more than conquerors. It's remarkable that the thing that we dread the most in this life is an event in which we are more than conquerors through Christ. And that's when we breathe our last breath. That's what we fear the most. It is natural. It is the way that we are made. And yet Paul says to depart and be with Christ is what? Far better. Far better. When we depart and go be with the Lord, even if we suffer persecution that led to our martyrdom, what looks like destruction is actually deliverance. It's victory. The point that needs to be made there, when the world persecutes you even unto the death, that is the worst that the world can do to you. The most they can do is take your life. The most they can do is take your life. Jesus says, fear not those that have the power to kill the body, but the soul. God has power over our soul so that if they kill the body, my soul lives on with Him. I'm not afraid of them. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. In death, the worst that they can do, we are more than conquerors. Always bearing about the body of the dying of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's Paul saying here? Go back to chapter 1 and verse 9. We had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver. That speaking of deliverance is past, present, and future. Despite the fact that he had what? 
the sentence of death in himself. We walk around, according to these verses, carrying a death sentence in the eyes of the world. You know, the world loves to say we can agree to disagree, right? That's kind of the thing. This is your truth. This is my truth. Let me tell you, there's no your truth, my truth nonsense. It's just the truth or it's not. Okay? It's fact, it's not. We're entitled to our own opinions. We're not entitled to our own facts. The facts are the facts, period. Be a fact person. Be a fact person. There's no your truth, my truth, his truth, her truth. No, it's just truth or error. It's truth or error. The world loves to say we can agree to disagree. Does the world really want to agree to disagree with you? The world wants to slaughter you. The world is angry at you. The world is offended at you. The world, according to Romans chapter 1, speaking of society, but specifically the unregenerate reprobate, and if you're wondering what reprobate means, it means unregenerate. It means void of judgment. If you are born again, the law of God is written on your heart. We are not ineffectualists. The new birth makes a difference. And to say otherwise is tantamount, borderline heresy. The unregenerate, studying this word this week, the reprobate, they hold, according to Romans 1.18, the truth and unrighteousness. You know what that word hold means? It doesn't mean like embrace it. Like, oh, I hold to the truth. Well, good for you. It means to suppress it. It comes from two words, a word that means hold in Greek and a word that means down. The unregenerates hold down the Word of God when they have the power to. Just trying to stomp it out. The wicked do everything they can to stop the truth from being spread in this world. And because of that, when they have political power, they use that political power to do, you know what? Can you guess it? to eliminate and eradicate those who are disciples of Christ. They will go to the lengths of putting you to death to stop the message from being preached. So, in closing, Paul has a death sentence. Look back at the things that he experiences. He's troubled on every side, but he's not depressed. He's perplexed, but he's not in despair. He's persecuted, but he's not forsaken. He's cast down, but he's not destroyed. And everywhere he goes, he has a death sentence on him from the world around him. What is Paul's secret? Let's look at verses 16 through 18. For which cause we faint not. We faint not. All right, we're going to get into the secret here. Though the outward man perish, yet the inner man is renewed day by day. The outward man is a clay pot, the inner man is the light. In this analogy, for our light affliction, now wait a minute, our what? Dude, they whipped you with 39 stripes, they punch you in the face, they arrest you on multiple occasions, they stoned you and left you for dead, you were in a shipwreck and floated around and then you got to shore and were bit by a snake. Our light affliction, I don't think he's Bruce Lee. I don't think he's like, let me shrug it off. Every single time a rock hit him, it hurt. When the stone hit him, it hurt. I'm sure his adrenaline skyrocketed when he's floating around on driftwood. And it probably hurt when the fangs of the snake penetrated his skin. He wasn't Superman. 
Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. We glorify the eternal God through the eternal life that He has given us in these light afflictions, which are but for a moment. How long is eternity? It never ends. When we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun, it never ends. How long is your life? A vapor. Light affliction. Light affliction. And it endures for what? A moment. And it's gone. Our lives are a blink of vapor. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What is Paul's secret? Now, hear me very carefully because I am not criticizing modern ways of dealing with trauma. If you have trauma, it is good to speak to a professional. If you have mental illness, it is good to speak with a professional. But listen, the secret of getting up and going back and living not in despair, being perplexed but not in despair, the secret was not therapy, and I'm not dissing therapy. The secret was not medicine, and I'm not dissing medicine. His secret wasn't a multi-step program to live his best life now, because he's not going to. Paul's secret was not a guru. You know people that have their guru, they need to go talk to their guru. secret wasn't a guru. Number one, his secret was, verse 16, the inward man is renewed day by day. The secret, number one, was inner grace. Jesus' light has shined in you in this earthen vessel. And what God has done in you enables you to stand in the moment of suffering. It is in here. And guess what it is? It is eternal. The eternal life that you have within you never ends. It's never extinguished. It never vacates you. But it continues forever. And number two, while we look not at the things which are seen... Paul's secret in despairing not through perplexity is keeping his focus on that which is eternal. What are you looking at? If you look at the situation, you will be in despair. Paul says his secret to surviving these things without despair and anxiety, living in panic mode all the time, is to look at that which is eternal to put your eyes on your Savior and to keep your eyes on His cross. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much. Thank You, Lord, for the hope and the grace that You've given us, Lord. We know that this life is full of sufferings, and there's so many different types of suffering at any given time. Lord, just looking at our own church family here, we have battles of illness. We have people struggling with loss. We have people raising children and struggling with that, people that are dealing with one illness after another, chronic illnesses. There are so many things that we experience, Lord, betrayal, rejection, disappointment. If we looked at the situation, if we looked at the Mount Everest, and certainly, Lord, we would be in absolute despair. But though the situation is perplexing, you've given us inner grace that gives us strength to stand, and, Lord, you've given us something eternal to look to outside of the situation 
Help us to remember that what we go through here is but a blink in the grand scheme of eternity. Help us to understand that these are light afflictions, though they be so terrible in the moment. They are light, not because they're to be downplayed or minimized, but because of what you've given us and what you have given us in eternity. These sufferings are not even worthy to be compared with, and that boggles our mind. How beautiful heaven must be. Help us, Father, to keep our eye fixed, for if our eye is single, great is the light of the body. Help us to keep our eye fixed on that which is eternal, not that which is temporary, that which is fleeting. Forgive us of our many sins, we pray, Lord, for the strength that you have written of in your word. In Jesus' name, we say together, amen. If you enjoy the messages you hear on Words of Grace, consider this your invitation to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. An online directory is available at MarchToZion.com. Copies of this and other broadcasts are available for download on iTunes and on our website. And finally, Words of Grace is a listener-supported program. To contact us, address your correspondence to Words of Grace Radio, 641 Moontown Road, Brownsboro, Alabama, 35741, or visit us online at flintriverpbc.org.